Hello and welcome to episode 60 of the Endurance Asia podcast. I'm your host Scott Pugh and in preparation for the premiere of the Four Trails documentary, uh, we're joined by documentary and filmmaker Robin Lee and his brother Ben Lee, the producer on the, uh, on the movie. Really great chat. We No spoiler alerts here. We get to talk about the process of, of, uh, of the second movie that they've made on the Four Trails, Hong Kong Four Trails Ultra Challenge. The original being Breaking 60, which was featuring the 2017 version of the event. And they came back in 2021, the 10th anniversary of the event which we covered uh, pretty extensively um, a, a couple of years ago and it was just an incredible follow at the time and the way that they have captured it is just incredible. Um, I've had the pleasure of being able to watch a pre-screening. I've actually watched it back twice and you're in for a real treat. Uh, we've got the, the premiere happening in Hong Kong this week. So pleased to be able to sort of publish this prior to the, the premiere. And uh, and yeah, uh, enjoy, uh, enjoy the backstory and what happened behind the scenes, uh, breaking down the fourth wall of how this amazing documentary was was pulled together so with that here we have uh, robin and ben lee that the truthful story if they ever ask stop the complaining because things ain't that bad hello ben robin welcome to the endurance asia podcast thanks so much for for joining us today excellent uh no we're really uh, really pleased for you for you to come on We've been waiting with bated breath as soon as we found out that, that the two of you were going to be coming back to do a documentary on the, the four trails uh, back for the 10th edition in 2021. We've been waiting for the past two years to be able to see all this footage come to life. And, uh, um, and so, yeah, really, uh, uh, both Rick and I have had a chance to watch a pre-screening and have, um, have just like absolutely loved it. And it's been, uh, it's been well worth waiting for. Um, but to kick off, it'll be great to, to sort of hear a bit of background from the both of you. I mean, Robin, if we start, we start with you, sir. Yeah. Just be good to, you know, hear a bit of your, your backstory, how you came to sort of be a, be a filmmaker, how you came to be so entrenched within the Hong Kong four trails, um, uh, uh, yeah, community, if I, if, um, if I can say. Okay, big question. Um, essentially, how I became a filmmaker or videographer, cinematographer has just been a gradual, constant increase. I mean, I basically started on my 21st birthday. My dad gave me a camera, uh, which I obviously asked for, and just started making home videos, essentially. Um First ones I've made were probably uh, doing some cliff jumping in Hong Kong. I actually made a video just like to test out this new camera I have about making a smoothie. So blending up strawberries and bananas and whatnot, just to like try it out. You know, pretty basic, small video. But, you know, I, I basically just started 
for fun. And the whole filmmaking aspect just grew and grew and grew where people saw my, my small videos and be like, oh, could you make a, a little promo video for my gym or could you make a promo video for this rugby tournament? And so I do that. And basically it's just got bigger and bigger. From that, I, I haven't gone to school to learn how to film uh, or any of this, even editing, haven't done anything. So I think I've been in the industry now for 10 years and essentially the four trails is kind of like, well, at this point in my career, like one of the biggest things that I, I have attempted to do and try to edit. So yeah, uh, it's a very gradual increase, but yeah, no, no background in film, just loving it. And over 10 years, just increasing my skill level, so to speak. Yeah, very cool. And, and with you, Ben, were you, um, yeah, seeing, seeing your brother do all of this filming? Well, I mean, you're, you've obviously been your producer on the movie and been heavily involved in all of the logistics. And, uh, um, but yeah, how did, uh, how did you get to become in, involved as well? I started trail running um, mainly because of my boss um, in Hong Kong at the time, who was a big trail runner. And so I sort of got involved. He sort of took me out on the trails a few times and got excited by that whole thing. Um, and out of that, I convinced Robin uh, to make a little film, um, which was back in the day called Why I Run, um, which was essentially about me uh, running around Hong Kong. Um, and I was able to show Robin sort of these different areas. And we, we thought nothing of it, but we just wanted to maybe sort of showcase Hong Kong. Um, and we enjoyed it. We enjoyed working together. And, and so from that, we sort of made us another small little project and another one and, and so on and so forth. Um, and we ended up with Breaking 60 in 2017. Um, and then, you know, now we're doing four trials uh, together. So sort of slow evolution, but I've always enjoyed looking after the more logistics side of things, or I, I'd stay away from the creative decision making. I, I leave that uh, to Robin. Uh, and I just basically get told where he needs cameras and on certain times and whatever else. And we try and make it happen. Um, and that's sort of how how we're able to sort of pull these sort of films together. Yeah. And so was Breaking 60, which is obviously the first, I suppose, documentary done on uh, on the Hong Kong Four Trails Ultra Challenge. Was was that the first sort of long doc or long film that you that you'd done, Robin? It was probably the first one that I had done, which was under my own name, so to speak. So yeah. I, I worked for a company out of Denver, Colorado. Uh, we made ski films. And they were 55 minutes long and I worked with them for five years. Um, so I, I've been involved in longer feature films and, and documentaries and whatnot. But Breaking 60 would have been the first one where it's like, this is Robin Lee's documentary where I was the director. Um, yeah. 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 I, I, look, I've been obsessed by this event for, for me, since I've, when I was living in Hong Kong, first heard about Andre doing it when it was the four in four days and, uh, and spent I've attempted it twice spent like the past three or four years training for it and have uh, have just become like completely obsessed by the event now I know many other people that have and I've, as I'm sure you know a lot of these characters that are both in this in this story or, or were in Breaking 60 or um, you know people like Jag in, in in Thailand that went back three times Abby that came back up from Singapore three times and People, this this event really does seem to just create a level of obsession that I haven't really seen in anything outside of maybe maybe like the Barkley Marathons or you know there might be some other events in the US like I don't know some of like the uh, Hard Rock or or some of these that sort of really get a cult following. What and you guys, I 
I believe that you've probably put more or got more obsessed. Or actually, I don't think there's been anyone actually apart from you, Robin, that's been more obsessed about this event other than maybe Andre. <laughs> like the amount of footage and the amount of time that you've spent reviewing over this event. Like, what what do you think it's about the event, and how are like how does it what does it mean to you? I suppose. Um, well, I think I think one of the reasons why people do get so obsessed with it, the I mean. One of the obvious reasons is it because within Asia is one of the hardest extreme uh, challenges that you can do. But I also think that the way that it's formatted in the way that there is essentially no winner, no loser, um, how, you know, you can do it under this time or that time, everyone kind of has their own goal of what they want to achieve. So I find that there's a lot less competition in like I want to be the fastest or I want to be better than that person but it's I want to try and do it like this can I do it like this and then everyone around them is like oh that's a great idea you should try and do that and then someone else is like oh I, I like to approach the challenge like this like last year I think there was a guy who uh, did it in flip-flops um, but everyone has like a different approach to the challenge and each of these ways are as accepted as the the next one is and so I think people kind of make the four trails kind of whatever event that they want to make it almost. And then just because of the, the community Andre's built, everyone around is just getting super hyped about it as well. So, I mean, I think there's a, a multitude of reasons why it's become so popular, why people are, are so obsessed about it. But I think it's just because it's just, I mean, it's, it's very accessible, but also incredibly difficult. Yeah. And, and for you, someone that hasn't actually competed in the event, but has like yeah. really you you feel kind of, it feels like both you and Ben are kind of like a, a, such a significant part of it as well. Like I, um, I'm interested sort of what it like what it means to you personally. Well, when we filmed Breaking Sixty, I was actually sort of learning about the event as I was filming it. So Ben said Ben found this event and was like, "Oh, do you want to film the Hong Kong Four Trails?" And I was like, oh, that sounds like a great idea. He told me about the challenge. I was like, oh, that's cool. That's like the filmmaker's dream to make a, a film about this crazy uh, challenge. And so we kind of went into that. And all the interviews that we did, I was learning as we were filming. And I think that's a way why Breaking 60 actually went a little bit bigger or longer than we were anticipating. Because I was like, oh, wow, I didn't even know that that was the case. So I learned about that. And then we interviewed somebody else. And they told us something different. And so I just kept learning more about this event um so and then obviously i filmed it we made the whole film it did really well so like oh that's great and then also just the relationship that we built with andre around it you know we've got a little whatsapp group where we're constantly messaging each other about oh this person look at his uh, essay what he wrote do you think he's going to make it and so the it, it's kind of just grown with me it's never it wasn't something which i went in being like oh, i love this but just from starting filming it to now i mean it's been well how many years Five years, I'm not yeah. sure. Basically, every, every single year I'm involved chatting with Andre about it. So it definitely has been just a gradual increase. And then obviously filming this year's four trails, or sorry, not this year's, 2021s, and basically filming for like a year and then editing for another year. I, I know everyone's stories inside out. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, at, the, at the moment or last, the last few years, I've just been living and breathing four trails and... Yeah, it's been fun. And Robin, like obviously the event has evolved over the years, but what having done Breaking Sixty and, and having seen it do so well, what was it as a storyteller that you felt 
hadn't been said in that first documentary that you wanted to kind of take to a bigger stage or was it was it also that you you thought you'd improved as a filmmaker yeah i mean it definitely improved i think i mean i'm not sure if other filmmakers have i'm sure they do but when you finish something you immediately like two weeks later you hate it you're like oh that's rubbish that was terrible so i wanted it i knew i could have done better but like i was saying earlier i was learning about the four trails as i was filming breaking 60 and so when I finished it, it was like, that's a great movie. Um, and then knowing about it and following it for like the next three years before Four Trails, you, I, feel, I felt like the Four Trails is not really, I mean, Breaking 60, when we filmed it, was the first time anyone broke 60 hours. So that was sort of the theme of Breaking 60. But, you know, especially talking to people before we started filming Four Trails, it became a more apparent to me that it actually wasn't like breaking 60 is, a, is an amazing target to go for but actually the four trails is really not about breaking 60 it's about breaking 60 it's also about breaking 72 or like i said earlier it's people now trying to do 50 hours or even faster so i felt like i didn't tell that story in breaking 60 and that there was just so much more story to tell and then also what I've tried to do in this film is just to tell more and show people more about each individual trail. So really break down the McElhost Trail, break down the Wilson Trail, Hong Kong and Lantau and actually show people who are watching what each of these trails entails. Because I think in a lot of movies, you, you get a diagram or top-down view of a, of a map and it shows you a line of how far they go. But I never found that that truly represented what people were actually doing, right? You never actually saw the train that they were going over. And even just with like a few clips of people climbing up Lantau Peak, you can tell that they're struggling, but you don't get the overall picture of the, the, the mountain that they, they're climbing. So again, in this film, I really try to show people nearly every single step that they take and all the landscape that they're gonna cover and the year that we did it, we were blessed with incredible weather, which helped us to tell that story even more. Yeah, I think yeah. that the way that you depict the actual, like some of the, and we talk about some of the drone footage and some of the the aerial footage that's done is is unbelievable. But I, I love within the movie the way that you depict the actual course in these drone footage it's extremely well done it really brings it to life exactly the scale of the event and how you do it and then from that macro i think there's a few bits where you go into the micro and just see people taking on specific hills and specific parts of it which uh which really do, it makes you feel like you're there it does really take you back to it and some of us been on many of them you you really do feel it um yeah and we i mean we were saying as, as we watched that screener just how scott and i were messaging saying it's like a two-hour love letter to hong kong um and i think a lot of that comes because you because of the way you've shot it you really got this fantastic sense of place so i mean th those of us that know hong kong know how unique that terrain is and how you can be running on pretty wild trails very very close to the city but to to an international audience or people just aren't familiar with it i think that's going to really really stand out when they watch it just that there's there's nowhere quite like it yeah, yeah. and ben uh, for you i I know that a big part of the way that you got involved in the event was through the dot tracking, right? Because obviously you run Dot Track Asia. Was that actually initially how you got involved in uh, in it with Andre? Or uh, no, I mean back then, back in 2017, uh, I was running trail races and stuff in Hong Kong, 
uh, myself. So I'd done a couple of hundred Ks or at least attempted to. Um, with the, I started with the Oxfam Trail Walker, um, as many people do in Hong Kong. Um, and so just out of that and, and sort of getting involved in the community in Hong Kong, the trail running community, you know, everyone, I think uh, it was Dom and Vic who went out and, you know, he was the only guy that sort of made it to the last day and he he didn't break 60 hours, but we followed one person giving it a go. Um, and so I knew about the events and, and was sort of following it. So that's, that's sort of how I became involved. And then the, the, the tracking uh, evolved when I realized that essentially there was no tracking in Asia um, and spoke to Andre about it, but this was all after, after that 2017 breaking 60. Um, yeah. But yeah, it all came around because I, you know, fell in love with the trails as well in Hong Kong. Yeah. And, and it's something that really does bring the event to life as much, if not more than the sort of social media feeds over the course of the weekend, being able to just follow the athletes and just yeah. follow, like literally people for three days are just uh, <laughs> yeah, are, are, yeah, have a nothing, refreshing um, screen. There's nothing quite like watching dots move. <laughs> no, no, it's <laughs> slowly it, it, move a dot over a landscape for 72 hours. It's um, it's highly addictive. Uh, yeah. I can't tell you why that is, but dot watching is a sport in itself. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, I'm I love uh, adventure racing, and that's one of the things that has brought adventure racing to life over the years yeah. is just being able to 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 dot watch the entire time. But I mean, with that, the sort of logistics as you've been involved in the logistics for for the um for the event, and I'm interested going back, and similar to the question to Robin around how it sort of evolved, how you approached the second movie from Breaking Sixty, how you approached Four, four Trails. From a logistics perspective, like you must have learned a lot from the years about how to make sure that you were going to cover the event properly once you'd sort of chosen who you wanted to sort of feature from a story perspective. Like, how did it change from the Breaking Sixty to Four Trails, and how you like got people across the course to make sure that you were covering the key parts? uh yeah um so i mean in in breaking 60 uh you know at that point no one had done uh under 60 hours and stuff like that and, and we sort of focused on four people who uh who thought they could give it a go and uh, stone uh brendan uh scotty and, and jag obviously he was on his third attempt at that point um and so from our sort of filming perspective we, we've just focused on those four um and obviously we wanted to, to capture the whole event but generally speaking uh, the goal of breaking 60 was to follow four athletes as they sort of took on this challenge, um, which made our, our sort of timings a little bit easier because we weren't trying to capture the guy at the front or the guy at the, at the back. We could sort of follow in pods, I guess, um, these sort of four athletes during breaking 60. Uh, and so that's sort of, that's how we had to that. I'm uh, sorry. That's how we did sort of breaking 60. We sort of chose different areas uh, where we knew would be great to shoot. Um, and then sort of once they'd come through, you know, we didn't wait till everyone else sort of came through. We moved on to the next point so we could actually capture the runners uh, of those four athletes, which made it quite easy in comparison to four trails. Uh, four trails, um, I mean, we had a crew of, say, six to five people for, for breaking 60. We had, uh, I think, up to 15 people over the course of, of the, the three days um, coming in and coming out. So we had a bigger crew on day one. We had a whole new crew on day two and sort of another crew on day three that came in just to make sure that we could sort of capture all these areas. Um, and unlike breaking 60, where we followed specific athletes, I think our, we could very much plan out day one on where most of the people would be and where the sort of areas that Robin wanted to capture. Um, um, yeah, so we, we sort of figure out where we want to be, you know, the top of Time Ocean, you know, a lot of trail running videos have never been there. We wanted to showcase Hong Kong. So we, we sort of focused on locations um, on day one to start with. 
um, and put the crew in those right places. But then on day two, as you know, the front of the field was seven to eight hours ahead of the sort of the back of the race or the challenge, sorry. Um, it just made everything quite difficult um, moving people around. And sort of, I know we had one guy who sat on the MTR for I don't know, 12 hours. Um, his whole job was sort of just going back and forth on the MTR. I think Robin was down there. We had two guys down there at one point, uh, two cameras. And, you know, it, it's hard enough for the runners to make sure that they're in the right MTR and the right station at the right time, let alone our camera crew going back and forth at the same time. Um, and I was driving myself, you know, across the harbor and picking up different crew to take them onto an, a new spot where we're going up the twins. Um, so day one, we could plan out quite nicely, but once day two and the sunrise sort of came up, it was very much, a, okay, where are they going to be? Uh, and where is our crew located? We want to make sure we get this shot at Charting Pass in the morning, but we also want to make sure we've got someone on the MTR. So let's put him there. Um, we also want to make sure we capture the twins because that's a, a huge element to um, the Wilson Trail going up a thousand steps, uh, essentially at a hundred miles at that point, um, which was, you know, so we, we had all these key things that we wanted to make sure we captured. Uh, and so we put film crew there um, and then sort of moved them around as an, on an ad hoc sort of basis, depending on how everyone ran. Um, I think one of our crew went up and down the twins twice with a big camera, or at least maybe three times, you know, carrying a massive camera up himself um, just to make sure we got everything. Yeah, that I mean, that sped up footage of going up the twins is something else. Like it brought back a lot of, of not necessarily very happy memories of, of climbing the twins. <laughs> it's one of my favourite parts of the movie, actually. I think for anyone that's Hong Kong based or has even been to Hong Kong, it's like one of those spots that's very iconic and going and after work, I'll go and smash the twins in an evening yeah. as a training session. And it's just a relentless climb. And I think that I've never really seen it from that perspective. And you just nail it. It just uh, it just goes on and on and on and yeah. on. And I think, uh, uh, yeah, extremely, extremely well done. But yeah, so I mean, take your point that you weren't focusing on, on let's say, four athletes like you were last time yeah. round. But obviously, you couldn't follow all of them to the same extent. And so how did you... How did you, or when did you decide who to focus on and, and whose stories you were going to try and tell? Uh, I, it, it, I mean, all the sort of stories unfolded on the day. So you sort of go in with an open mind, you know, like we had done interviews prior to the event with essentially everyone. Um, so we had conversations with all the runners and they'd given us in, uh, insights on what they were thinking and, and how everything might go. But obviously on the day, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. Neither do they. Um, you know, you obviously have got some sort of main characters uh, within the film and people who we maybe spend a bit more time with beforehand. And, and you're you're hoping that they do well. You're hoping that there's a story to tell. And obviously, I think with the four trails, you're going to get a story out of anyone, um, whoever stands on the, on the start line, no matter what day or what year sort of they run. Um, but I mean, during the actual during the actual challenge, I think day two became very clear that you know they're at 100 miles now some people are collapsing their bodies giving up you know they've run 100 miles some people are are cruising along and not having any issues um and so you could you, well we don't really know what's going on we're getting feedback from all the different uh cameramen on the course you know um all the people out there you know someone is not talking at all to the camera someone's super chatty okay cool well this person's clearly struggling um maybe it's worth sort of focusing on that um we obviously were c connected pretty well with all the crews as well so when we knew people were potentially thinking about stopping, we could send someone to a location and knowing the trails, like they're going to have to at least walk to this point. Let's get a camera there to see if if they do actually drop or if they continue, we don't know. But um, it, it was very much an ad hoc, like fluid situation. We needed to just be flexible on the day. We had 
three different cars driving all over Hong Kong just to make sure that, you know, we could get someone to the right place, really. So, you know, I suppose in a way, you're not really trying to tell the story at the time. You're just shooting as much as you possibly can of every important bit and every important stage and then seeing what you can put together in the edit. Yeah, pretty much. Like, I think Robin and I probably had this conversation beforehand, you know, like what story is going to happen? It's like, well, we don't know. The story is going to sort of tell itself. Um, and we need to make sure that we capture as much as we can do so that we can then, or Robin can then sit in the editing room for 18 months and actually tell that story. <laughs> and that, how, <laughs> many hours, how many hours of footage did you end up with, Robin? Um, my first cut, which is event only, so none of the pre-event footage, no interviews that we shot, just purely event footage for three days was 24 hours. So, yeah. yeah. It was substantial. <laughs> uh, you know, like what Ben was saying, we, we had a lot of cameras. So as I was, I basically watched every second of every camera to make sure that I basically saw basically everything and could, and could decide what was really good and what wasn't really good. So there's so much which you guys haven't seen that we had to get rid of because it didn't tie into a certain storyline or just the overall theme. It just didn't quite match, but it's brilliant. But yeah, as I was like putting it all together, I was essentially just, oh, that happened? Wow, that's crazy. I didn't know that that happened. Uh, like just seeing other people's footage come in, I'm just like, wow, I can't believe you got that. That's so cool. Uh, so yeah, as editing, I'm still like discovering new things. You know, they would tell me, oh, I got this really good footage of Pong doing so-and-so. I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And then I see I'm like, oh, wow, they did actually get a pretty good footage of Pong doing so-and-so-and-so. So yeah. Man, there's, <laughs> and I think this is what makes the event stand out as so different. Is not just necessarily the the uh, the scale of the event, the challenge, how difficult it is, but I think it's just the the, the stories that do evolve in throughout the um, throughout every year. And I think what made this year quite special was that the the 10th edition is that it was all people that had either survived or finished before so everyone already that had any awareness of the event had already a kind of knew some backstory of the people coming into it um and that's sort of like that they're already all these people that started that started in um uh to moon that they, they already had like they're already legends basically and uh <laughs> I'm interested when you're so close to the event, both Robin and Ben, and you know these people so well, that how do you go about telling their story for people that don't know them at all? And for people that will be watching the four trails for the very first time, and you know, but they both don't know the event, but also don't know the ind individuals. It must be really difficult to like, just, you almost think, oh, well, people would just know that. But, you know, uh, whether it be the fact that, that someone had finished or someone that in previous years, like, how do you go and make sure that the, the stories of these people remain accessible to all? Um. I think that was one of the hardest challenges in editing. Uh, I, I mean, it took me a long time at the start of the editing process to really kind of nail down the direction to go. Um, previously, I would maybe edit like individual sections at a time where it'd be like, oh, the second night, I'm just going to focus on making an, a section of the film just about the second night. Whereas I was doing that and I wasn't really getting anywhere. I was like, this just doesn't make any sense. And so I then shifted focus to just making stories about individual people. So I was just like, all right, forget about the event. I'm just going to edit uh, Stone's introduction. Um, and how can I make Stone's introduction really cool? 
And there are some which are easier than others. Uh, Stone, for example, you know, he's such a local hero. He's a legend. He's such a talented runner that that came more naturally. I was like, oh, I can just basically build Stone up as a superhero kind of, which, which, which he is. Uh, and then other ones are a little bit more tricky. Um, and then the other thing which was difficult was also trying to tell these individual stories, which also made sense to the four trails. So trying to tie in um, Will Hayward's story, for example, into the four trails. And Will Hayward, you know, everyone knows he's such a stubborn, stubborn bastard, as uh, Andre would say, and just a really, uh, you know, just doesn't stop moving, essentially. And so I was like, how can I fit that story into the four trails? And it's just like, oh, I would see a quote that was said in a pre-interview or a quote that was said during the event. I was like, oh, that really fits into his story. So I just found a soundbite and then would weave that in somehow. And so it was trying to find all these ways to weave in their individual storylines into the film, which made sense for the four trails rather than just like a random, oh, this is a guy. Here's a guy, but it doesn't actually make sense in the context of the film. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a brilliant moment that with Will where he talks about one of the first races he, he's in there and uh, and yeah talking about he raced with friends and there's just a really really cool moment where you realize ah oh, okay this is where Will comes from this is this is what kind of guy he is both from like him being like studied psychology and a dean of psychology to yeah no it's uh, I, I think it, and I think that that seems to it comes through in the movie it comes through in the final cut in terms of that it, it doesn't look like a story about the event. It looks like a story about individuals just set on this stage, which is the four trails. And that really does, uh, that really does, does come across. Um, we'll get a little bit into some of the individual stories as well. And some of the things that happen in the movie. But another thing I'm interested in discussing is the actual shooting of it. The, um, I mentioned earlier, some of the, the drone footage, it's just incredible. And I, I take it that was largely, was that yourself or was that, I know Richard Kimber is the, the drone runner was involved as well. Like who, who did most of the, the drone footage for the movie? In terms of drone footage for the event, there was a, it was a good mix of people really. Um, Richard got a lot of stuff. I got a lot of stuff. Uh, we got some stuff from, from Alex who works with, uh, the adventure team, North Face Adventure Team. Yep. Um, Ollie, who is the my essentially secondhand man, he got a lot. So the event footage was very much split between everyone. Uh, everyone did their part, and then we have a lot of footage which was shot outside of the event, uh, either in pre-event uh, stuff or in the, in the drone shots you mentioned, where we map out the whole trails, and that was all done by me. Um, and that sort of idea developed. Uh, <laughs> Ben's like, hold up, in... I was there too. I was oh, like, no, I, this summer, this summer when uh, when Robin went on holiday, he sent me out in Hong Kong's obviously the best weather in the Hong Kong summer. Um, so the clarity is so high. And so he's like, here, here's a drone. Can you please go out and get these uh, four shots for me, please? So there's, there's a, you know, <laughs> I, I did some little shooting there as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, to, to Rick's point, and we were saying about before, but it being like a two-hour love letter to to Hong Kong or about Hong Kong, I think that anyone that's never been to the city, 
I think seeing some of this footage of the movie just would not believe it. it would be like I, I would actually like the to do okay where do you like to show some few clips of it okay where in the world do you think this is and I guarantee any American would never say Hong Kong you know they're just it you just wouldn't believe it and um I I, I can only imagine the potential for for tourism for not just to trail running community but a bit beyond that to anyone that likes outdoor lifestyle in any way shape or form this you know i couldn't think of a better promotion of the uh, uh of the country and at a time when it bloody needs it it's opening up but i mean gosh we could do with getting some visitors back right yeah we need to tell some good stories that's for sure um i mean hong, hong kong as you, as you say it's it's a phenomenal place. Robin and I both grew up here, you know, so it, in, in one aspect, maybe it is a love letter to Hong Kong, you know, having having spent 30 plus years here and, and knowing about the beaches and the trails and the cliff jumping that Robin sort of started filming with. Um, Hong Kong is is special with its outdoor or the accessibility, accessibility to the, the quality of outdoors that we have here. Um, and, you know, more people should know about it. Obviously, people know about the shopping and the food and the, and the city and the bars and all that sort of stuff. But you know, we've got 200 plus outlying islands and fantastic beaches and, and wonderful trails. So, yeah, more people definitely need to come over uh, and enjoy them as well. And hopefully, hopefully they see this um, when it does go worldwide and, and, you know, we can convince more people to come, you know. Have you yeah. got anyone from the tourism board coming to the opening night? Yeah, we've got some uh, We've got some of the tourism board coming down to, to watch the film, uh, which is nice. Excellent. Good yeah, stuff. Good. Yeah. No, n- need to get involved. Um, so yeah, I mean, back to some of the, uh, some of the sort of characters and stories from the, from the film, from the movie. Uh, obviously we don't want to get too much away for people that, uh, you know, want to come into it like kind of fresh and we'll be publishing this after you've already done the initial screening in Hong Kong, but obviously we're going to be looking to do roll out lots of screenings across, across the region. Um, but yeah, you, one of the just sprang to mind when you mentioned Pong there, who was a finisher from uh, from 2020. I think he finished in like 57 hours or something was sort of didn't come out of nowhere, but, is, you know, wasn't sort of prevalent in the trail running scene. But um, there's just what there's one and he was potent, one of the potentials for this kind of story around breaking 50. But um, when you talk, uh, uh, Robin, about you capture a bit of movie, have you seen this bit? There's a bit in it which uh, where is in the, the land how base camp store and uh and yeah i can imagine when you were watching that little clip there what were your thoughts before putting it in the movie like what were your what <laughs> it, it's a yeah. pretty it, it is a it's one of those moments a seminal moment that you think that there is literally no like there's there's th- this guy is like close to death almost it's almost like will hayward in his seat when he did the backyard ultra of like surely that guy needs to be in a hospital bed not standing up to going out running but <laughs> yeah i mean it definitely was uh that moment uh scott plotworthy actually filmed that that part uh, and he, he told us that he that he, he shot it before he, he went home to sleep before the, the final day. Uh, so yeah, I, I definitely watched that fresh and he's like, oh, this bitch really good. And I saw it, I was just like, oh my, oh God. Like this is this is insane what this guy's gone through. So obviously the initial reaction for me was like, this is going in, no question, how can I put it in? Uh, it wasn't too difficult to find a, a spot for it. Um, but it also just, Keep Pong in a way because his his story, as Ben was learning to, developed throughout the film. Yeah, uh, we we filmed him for for anyone who doesn't know, Pong had a, a bit of a serious injury before the event, uh, which basically everyone thought because of this injury he wouldn't be able to 
even compete in the challenge. Uh, and this was about three weeks prior to the event. And essentially we, we filmed it before because we we're like, what, what we film it because what if, what happens? And so it was kind of like, oh, thank God we did film that because now we have such an amazing uh, tie-in to this, this story of what Pong went through. Um, so yeah, it, yeah, it was incredible to watch uh, when, I, when I saw it for the first time, also just the fact that we filmed stuff beforehand and it just surprised everyone what happened during the event itself uh yeah it was, it was just one of those stories which just built built itself you know we didn't really have to do much to make it into a story and it just pulled itself yeah. yeah i think there were some outstanding performances in this 10th edition but i think his probably for me stands out as as one of the one of the most impressive and yeah i think yeah. when you see the see the movie you'll understand the full reasons why um there's you mentioned stone and there's some really good footage of him training before family guy hong kong legend uh, fireman running the stairwells in his house just like really um and and he along with Salah were the the two which were like okay these are the these are the the guys running at the pointy end these are the ones that are going to like push the boundaries of what's possible in terms of time and uh, um, and obviously I think it's supported by Ryan Blair the North Face Adventure Team I think Ryan brings an amazing amount of gravitas to the movie as well like he's just he just really um, his narrative through it works very well but there's a moment and not to give too much away towards the end of the movie where Stone uh stone um it's having a bit of a rough time and bumps into a fan at, at the end and just it just for me epitomizes what an incredible human being he is to be so humble and gracious in a moment it's just a it's a beautiful moment and for you to have had uh a, a sort of uh, a film crew there at that time it was just a it is really special i think that yeah, was yeah. scott as well wasn't it robin Scott as well and that was yeah. you know i think ryan maybe text you ben and told him that yeah. um, i think yeah we, i think we got a message essentially from ryan saying stone's having a few issues i'm going to go see him here <clears throat> and so you know found scott and and you know in a car mate let's go um and sort of drop him off on the side of the road and, and he happened to be there to capture the moment so yeah scott did pretty well yeah. with the, the footage he was able to get for us yeah and, and just more leaning on stone that moment we've i've got that moment in pre-filming uh, a lot as well. So, you know, I filmed a lot of training sessions and uh, rehabilitation sessions and stuff like that. And this, that moment, which you saw happens so often in Stone's life. So it's, you know, you're seeing it all the time and it's just so cool. And yeah. And, and you can understand that. Really. You can imagine that. And he's got like a big social media following as well. And he's just, a, he's just a Hong Kong running legend, but, but, to show someone's true colors is when they have that kind of interaction at one of their lowest points and how they, you know, and then how they react to it. It just, it goes to show what, what, what a human that the guy is. And, and yeah. yeah, I mean, like so many great stories. I mean, we interviewed Salah, um, Solomon, uh, Wetstein straight after a few days after the event. And I mean, I think the, the the way that he he sort of flows all the way through the through the um recording by the way he changed as a human being during that that event like and his second time doing it but he's literally a different person to when when he started it and i think even as you watch the movie you realize that that he's changed as well and um uh yeah i think that that 
that must have been a uh, that must have been an easy story to write um or to yeah or, or or to edit as you were going as you were going through robin yeah Salomon's story was was really good i think um chatting afterwards with mark agnew he he, he would say uh Salomon's story was essentially the exact same thing as watching a movie uh like a real movie like but it happened in real life it wasn't a movie it was a real life situation uh, and I think that really is what happened. You know, Sullivan basically wrote a movie uh, with his storyline. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as I say, you you sort of like depict it perfectly. And, and, and all those are like uh, the side characters as part of his movie, like his his wife, Manu. And there's a there's a couple of moments there where as support crew, she just like, pulled him through some pretty rough moments with uh yeah with with some just uh some amazing crewing which uh, which I've used similar tactics since having I've <laughs> learned about crewing from Manu like she's uh she knows how to get people going and get them still uh still persevering and uh, and pushing yeah. forward um uh, yeah so and, and obviously like the there's the the sort of the the actual the pointiest end and just the the kind of the kind of as you mentioned before it's not a race it's a challenge but then to to how it the how it all sort of um came to a sort of crescendo that sort of like final bit for it, and the emotion at the end um from uh from jackie getting to the post box as well like i think just watching someone and i've i've got this thing where i don't get emotional that much I, the most thing i get emotional with is watching finish lines i think the first time that um <laughs> was the breaking 60 year that you were i was watching it on uh on facebook um and um and seeing tom robert shaw get to the post box there i remember watching that and this was 2017 was it that was that the year that he did yeah. and i was like sitting at my dining room table in tears watching a facebook live stream just like this is just this is changing the game of what like people are capable of you know and i think seeing that you, and you managed to sort of capture that in uh with with, with jackie in the in, in the 10th edition in in 2021 as well and I suppose that a, a lot of that just being there at the, at the post box filming at the end, that sort of that part of the the movie sort of almost takes care of itself. But yeah, what was it like in that year being at the uh, being at the post box? Uh, yeah, um, incredible, really. Uh, we I remember when we were filming that because it was on the third day and. Uh, people now were all over the place. Uh, we actually had like this story of what, what, which person to film. I think Ben can remember this better than me because I was in a, a oh. pretty bad state in terms of sleep deprivation. But essentially Jackie was in front and Salomon was a little bit behind. Uh, and so we almost had to like make decisions of should we send someone here or should we make it to the, the post box? How many people should we have at the post box for this moment? And it, it was still very much like no one actually knew when they were going to come in. So we didn't know. We, we decided to do a bit of both. But I remember making this decision after two nights of no sleeping. And uh, we were like, OK, let's let's go film Salomon on Lantau Peak. So we drove the car uh, 
up to land our pick. Then when we got that, no, 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 we can't, we can't do that. We're going to miss Jackie at the post box. Let's go back down again. So we went back down halfway through that. No, no, we have to go do this. So we drove all the way back up again to do it. And eventually we were just like, all right, we went to one of the films, Ollie, and just said, okay, you go climb up Lantau Peak and we'll get everyone else down here. And after the event, Salomon came to us and he, he said, ah, you, you know, you guys were everywhere. You know, I, all the stuff that we filmed before, um, I just had you in my head so much. So I went on, on the last day I was climbing up Lantau, um, climbing up to Nongping and I just kept hallucinating this car, your car, driving up and down the road uh, and I was, I was hallucinating that and I was like no actually that really was us uh, because we had we were like hallucinating in the car uh, not really knowing where, where to go uh, so funny that was a funny story with uh, the whole salmon <clears throat> thing and then yeah. he got to got to the post box and you know filmed Jackie uh, coming in which was you know amazing it was such an incredible experience to be there and immediately after that, this is another uh, funny, embarrassing story, maybe. Uh, we, when we came over to Lantau, you know, logistically, we had to pack tons of gear, uh, get all these different crew members over, get cameras, laptops, hard drives, all this sort of stuff. So we, we came over to Lantau. We did all this filming. Jackie finishes. is like, okay, now we need to upload this footage to our hard drives and there was no hard drive. <clears throat> so I, I don't know, after no sleep for two days, started panicking uh, pretty bad uh, and broke, broke down myself exactly the same as what happened to Jackie. So anyone watching the film, just imagine myself in exactly the same position because I, I, I literally thought that I had left my hard drive on the ferry. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you know, Days, three hours of sleep over the three days and I was like I have just lost all of this footage from the last three days or two days uh, and we just had this incredible moment and I can't tell this story what's going to happen and you know it was just a yeah. horrible experience uh, anyway we you know we're like it's at home it's back at home don't worry we just forgot it we have another hard drive here carry on filming so we cool. had to film the rest of the day which was another 20 hours until the last person got there without any knowledge if we still had footage from the event and you know did everything went back home hard drive sitting right where it should be uh, <laughs> panic panic over but yeah that was a that was Man. A <laughs> that speaks to another part of the movie which i think you guys just absolutely nail which is yeah the 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 sleep deprivation which you get from uh from just doing these kind of long uh yeah the, the these huge long events and so i'm interested how you yeah I, and i suppose given that you even you weren't racing but still you were going through much of what the uh what what the actual competitors and athletes were as well so yeah how did you think about like pulling that um pulling that clip together and that part of the movie together yeah so the second night I mean, I knew, I know from previous, from filming Breaking 60 and talking to everyone, when you go through more than one night, so two nights or three nights, it really becomes more of a mental game than a physical game. Or it's both, but the mental side comes in and, you know, runners hallucinate and we got all these amazing stories of 
when Nikki was hallucinating, when Chang, when Will was hallucinating. So it's like, it, you know, you, you can't not include this kind of footage. And so, you know, I, I edited together this segment using all the sound bites and it just wasn't really clicking. It didn't feel right. It just felt like another second night uh, video where people are just telling you like, oh, I'm tired and I'm experiencing this, but the footage is pretty, I mean, bland really. Um, and so I was just, I, I edited that one time then I edited it again. I think it may be about maybe 10 edits, 15 edits of this segment. And I was just like, it's just not working. It's, it's really not working. And I, I really want to make this good. And essentially I just went to bed one night and had this idea as I was in bed, I think it was probably about midnight, got up and started editing it until about three or four in the morning. I was like, that's cool. Sent it to Ben the next day and said, what do you think of this? This is a concept. Uh, he said, thought, thought it was really good, sent it to friends and family. They thought it was really good. And then I just went crazy on it. Uh, it <laughs> essentially just, it's, I mean, for, it, to describe it without giving too much away is, you know, as if you're like on drugs or, it, it kind of, I'll tell you what it reminded me of watching it uh, and a, a movie that I love, The Beach. Uh, have you seen the movie The Beach? And it's like, it's very different in terms of there's a part of the movie The Beach where he's like, he's running along and it's as though he's in a video game. And it's like, obviously it's not the same kind of creative, but it's just the kind of like, as you say, almost on drugs. I think in the movie he isn't drugs and that sort of, <laughs> on that bit. And it's kind of like this out of body experience that you just kind of, and for someone yeah. who's been through it, like, it's like, that is pretty goddamn real. Like, I, I mean, I've had it where I've just seen, I, I've had it where I, all of a sudden it looks like there's tattoos on all of the trees. It looks like all the trees have like got like these amazing tattoos on them. And, um, uh, and yeah. yeah, I think people talk about they seeing witches and stuff and just seeing like, uh, crazy stuff. And yeah, yeah, I think you, you guys did a fantastic job of really capturing that because it's a significant part of the event. It's really everyone go, everyone that finishes or survives it goes through that sleep deprivation and uh, and that hallucination it's like uh um it, it, and yeah I, I was pleased to see how you um how you captured it <laughs> i think i mean we try to do that throughout the movie just add in you know different ways different visual styles uh throughout the the whole thing uh just so it's not just super linear you know there's a lot of flashbacks to stuff outside the event and and past events, that kind of stuff. And, you know, this hallucination segment, just trying to make it so it's not just watching a very linear storyline or people running, just trying to add in these extra elements. And I think that, you know, like the, the map that you you mentioned earlier uh, or the drone footage of the, of the trails. And then this segment here, just trying to really bring in a, a different element to trying to tell a story about trail running because, you know, there's been a lot of trail running stories, but how can we do it differently? Yeah, and I think the other big thing is around the camaraderie in, in the event. There's one part in it where where Nikki and Chang, who are both actually like really good friends, both live on Lantau and they they get to the they're, they're like did the big part of the trail. They're kind of similar paced and they're at like Nongping before the before the Lantau or before uh, Lantau Peak. And they're just sitting outside the 7-Eleven. And she's like, I kind of, en I'm enjoying this hanging around. And he's like, 
enjoying it? He's like, no. And he's like, I'm not enjoying this at all. I, she's like, you're not enjoying my company? No, your company's all right, but I'm just, I'm, I'm not enjoying this. I'm not enjoying, it's, just a, it's just a beautiful moment that sort of captures what, um, what the event is like. And back to your point earlier, it's not a competition. They're not competing against each other. If anything, they're a, uh, they're dragging each other through it. And I'm and I know for a fact, like having interviewed Salah Salah after the event, him and Stone as well were just they spent many hours pulling each other through, especially along the long catchment, which you you t- they talk about in the movie. But um, but yeah, awesome gents, like really great work. I, I've watched it twice now, and uh, and I'm uh, and I know that there's been you've got the screening happening in Hong Kong. That, uh, um, uh, yeah, would have happened by the time this is published. But yeah, what are you? What are your? What are your hopes for it as it goes out into the wider world, guys? So I mean, obviously you had you had some good success with with Breaking Sixty, but like, what did you learn from that experience in terms of getting it showcased on the sort of? I, I guess you're hoping it'll get shown at the sort of outdoor film festivals international film festivals and stuff uh yeah i mean i yeah. think i don't know if you want to take this or not but essentially i think the key thing is is we were very uh quick to rush breaking 60 out um we you know we we did consider it much more like an edit we make a quick film and we'll put it out there and see what happens um you know this this one i think and robin can jump in on over the top of me but we want to be a bit more methodical it is a full feature documentary film it's not um you know a quick thing that we just throw through together and want to get it out there so I think we just want to be a bit more careful um, and then also, you know, hit the film festivals uh, and then make sure we get some, get onto broadcast places if we can do and airlines again and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, we have a plan. Um, well, I think breaking 60 didn't really have a plan. A lot sort of came to us after it got released. Um, whereas I think we, we know the value now and well, we certainly think it's a, a nice film and I'm hopefully everyone else does. And so we just want to make sure that, there's a plan behind that when we get it out there, you know, we do approach the film festivals and get it into those if we can do and, and see what the reaction is there, get it onto broadcasts around the world, you know, get screenings done. We've had interest from Australia, Thailand and, and Philippines all want to, all want to take it, you know, which is great. Um, and so we want to, we want to build all that before it just goes out to everyone essentially. Yeah. I mean, I think what you've done is as, as Scott's alluded to, like you've told a story that's fascinating for people who are really plugged into the scene, but also just one that I think has got massive appeal to a wider audience. I watched that screener with my wife and she has, I mean, no time for me talking about trail running or any interest whatsoever. And she was glued to the screen for two hours. So yeah, amazing job. That's good. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. It's great to hear. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, that's a big, a big goal is to try and make a film, which does appeal to more people than just trail runners. Um, You know, it's it's an adventure film. So anyone who likes adventure will hopefully enjoy it. Uh, Anyone who likes, scenery nature will also enjoy it um yeah I, I think there's just a lot more elements than just i mean obviously it is a trail running film but there's so, there's so much more to it than than just that and i think hopefully that message has got across hopefully people see it for, for more than just another trail running film um but yeah. yeah super proud of it and hopefully everyone else really likes to watch it and let's see what happens huh yeah well, good luck for the screening this week in Hong Kong. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm expecting. I want to see footage of, uh, of yeah, you, you guys looking back at the crowd and the, and the standing ovation at the, at the end of it, which will no doubt, um, no, no doubt um, come after. And uh, and yeah, we look forward to seeing one in Singapore as well. And uh, hopefully, we'll we'll get uh, get a screening up here soon. I know that there'll be a lot of interest after 
um, after this interview as well. So, look, congratulations, gentlemen. I know that this has been a labour of love for the last two years, especially for you, Robin, as you've like poured over the footage over and over and over again. And uh, yeah, yeah, kudos for for putting together an I- incredible movie. And I think this is gonna it's gonna stand the test of time. I think it's gonna be um. Yeah, expect it. I expect to be getting on a a, a Cathay Pacific flight in a, in in maybe six months' time and uh, and enjoying it for probably the fifth or sixth time as <laughs> I so, uh, watching it again. But uh, yeah, good work, gents, and um, and yeah, thanks for coming on and sharing sharing about it today. Thank you very much for having us. Yeah, absolutely. It's like the truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining because things ain't that bad. Andre Bloomberg, welcome back onto the Insurance Asia podcast. It's uh, really wanted to catch up with you after speaking to Robin and Ben, and uh, and just to hear from your perspective. I mean, this has been uh, it's been like 11, 12 years now of this uh, of this the the genesis of this event, uh, and yeah, I'm interested to um, before you've actually seen the movie, what this you think this is sort of like means to the event, and what what you mean it means to the the running community in Hong Kong. Yeah, Scott, thank you. Uh, great to see you and great to be back on. So it's it's quite exciting. So the world premiere of the Four Trails film that Robin and Ben Lee have directed and produced uh, is uh, 10 days away and I just cannot wait to see it. And uh, it's really been a tough labor of love for both of them and Robin in particular I think they both have really put their heart into it over the last two years. If you include all the preparation in the in the run up to the 2021 event, which was our 10th anniversary, and uh, all the work afterwards, and uh, yeah, I just just cannot wait. I think it's uh, I'm very um, blessed that that Robin and Ben decided to to cover the Hong Kong Four Trails Ultra Challenge again. Um, I think you and and most of your listeners and viewers will remember the Breaking 60 film, um, which covered the 2017 event, I think. Um, And uh, yeah, for both of them to come back and do it again, I mean, it's just been been terrific. And some of the uh, footage I've seen, and I have not seen the film, so please, uh, no spoilers. (laughs) And uh, obviously, I've seen the the trailer many, many times. I just could not get enough of of the trailer. I've seen I've seen it on my on my large wall-mounted telly many times. And uh, amazing, stunning footage. Obviously, I know all the participants. I know many of the stories that went on at that uh, auspicious tenth edition. And uh, the weather was outstanding during the event so the uh, the scenery the landscape and so on it's just uh, magnificent so i uh, i'm really looking forward to the premiere i think the weather was almost too outstanding is like it was it was hot wasn't it? it was a hot weekend i just described it to you before just it almost we all lived and breathed it and i think we we had uh, a lot of the people on uh, the pod we had like you know jackie solomon and, and virginia um on the podcast after the event and we spoke to a few people beforehand and we followed it in, in, intently over that weekend so it feels like you know the, there's no surprise in terms of what happens for those that followed the event closely but it's it's almost like uh for those that, that actually did the event it's like 
their wedding and then they get back to watch the video after the wedding and then they can see it from all from a different angle and different perspective and and they've shot a lot of extra footage both of like interviews post event and and for me it's just a it's like a two hour just advert for Hong Kong and the the footage that they they filmed with drones is just spectacular and I think for anyone that has and around the world, and obviously it's going to be global exposure on this, and they're going to be going to a lot of the festivals. Anyone seeing this is like, I've got to go and run in Hong Kong. Like, I've got to go and uh, either... And I think the applications as well, which is obviously you saw after Breaking 60, the applications sort of um, went through the roof as well after that, after that event. So what are you expecting it to do for both the trail running community the the uh, trail running in hong kong generally tourism and and the the hong kong four trails ultra challenge event well i think it will definitely put hong kong on the map again and when i say again it it has been obviously on the map for many years and there are many outstanding events in in trail and ultra running in hong kong that have come about over the last 15 years um, but then more recently in the last couple of years we had the social unrest and then we had a, a very prolonged pandemic uh, impact on Hong Kong in terms of limited uh, border movements for non-residents and and all the challenges just getting in uh, and out of Hong Kong and it's been really tiring, you know. It's been yeah. three years of a slog. And it's like 2021 on the 10th edition, which is featured in the film, was in the middle of the pandemic. And it was only local residents from Hong Kong who could participate because non-residents really wanted the alumni to come back, Tomo and Christian and, 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 and Stephen and many others. But... They just couldn't because they were not allowed as non-resident to enter Hong Kong, right? And now the world is open. Hong Kong is open. China is opening. And the time is just superb now, yeah. right? And uh, it's, uh, I think it's just going to be like a, a bit of a, a reawakening. And I think it will not take long at all for people to uh, put the challenges aside and the inconveniences of the last few years uh, to the side and, and just, just return to Hong Kong. And Hong Kong has so much to offer. It's an amazing landscape. It's, it's got great cuisine. It's got shopping. It's, it's just it's quite dense. You can have this, the intense city lifestyle is a convenience it's a very safe place it's 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 uh right next and also to the country parks and and all our trails and so on so i uh, I'm, I'm really very positive about hong kong i've lived yeah. in hong kong for well over 20 years yeah. and i've always considered hong kong my home and only in the last few years when we went through these challenges it was the first time really i said what am I going to do? Do I stay or do I go somewhere else? Or, but I've I've always come to the conclusion: you know, Hong Kong will bounce back. Hong Kong bounces back all the time, and and it will be the same this time. So it's just uh, 
something I'm really looking forward to. It's proven it time and time again. You know, Asian financial crisis, GFC, it's always it's always bounced back. Often it's always been the first to bounce back. I think that the last couple of years has definitely been prolonged. I mean, me living in Singapore, we've seen so many people move down to Singapore from Hong Kong. Uh, but I honestly think it's something like this that will just remind people of just like how unbelievably beautiful the place is. I mean, people always ask me when I lived in Hong Kong for so many years and now living in Singapore, oh, what's the difference? You know, what's better? And I just want anyone to just go and watch this this film and just see like they, they just think of the concrete jungle and there's there's so many shots through the out uh, throughout the footage where you get the, the the cityscape in the background but it's just it, there's so many rugged parts of it which um which are just covered so well and for ben and robin like to be to be able to get that amount of coverage from the event on the day like um it also makes me think They've kind of, there's so many people that have been doing this event over the years that have been back again and again and again and again. It's sort of like Sarah Pembleton, who's, who's covered a lot in the, um, in the documentary. She's sort of done it four times, right? And, um, and you know, there's like uh, um, Jag, who's here in Bangkok. You've got... Um, Abby. You've got Abby, who came back three times. I've like attempted twice and will hopefully get a chance to again. And yeah, there's so many people that have, that have, that have dedicated years of their life to it. And apart from yourself, I can't really think of a couple of people that have dedicated as much as Ben and Robin. Because granted, like we, everyone that's been training for it just consumes them. But Robin's like literally been sitting there on his computer editing all of this footage, hundreds of hours of footage, or like I, I forget exactly the amount of um, hours of footage that he's had to go through, but just pouring over it. And it must like take so long to be able to do that. I mean, the little bit that I, that I do, it's, it's time consuming. Be able to do that for a two hour feature, um, feature documentary. They've kind of been as committed to this event as anyone over the years, right? Yeah, absolutely no doubt and and again i mean i i could not be more grateful to both of them and uh the fact for them to to do this and uh also enter this adventure with their own backing and without any uh additional or extra backing or resources right so they've brought some fantastic uh, uh sponsors along more recently um, but um, there was never really any one behind it, and and I was very confident that it will be, and I am very confident it will be successful. Uh, and I've asked myself the question whether I should get commercially involved or financially back it. But then I, I I really like to keep that separate from the event because that's what the event is all about. It's non-commercial. There are no sponsors and. It's a passion of my my, my life, myself, and um, so I've I've not done that, yeah. uh, and I'm sure I, I, I in, in some ways I will regret because I'm sure it will be very successful, but the the expense and the time and the hours and the anxiety I'm sure, and and if you remember, it's not a it's not a scripted event. Yeah, it, it is. So many things happen that are completely unpredictable. So you know the course, you know who will join. We had 16 participants and uh, no, we had a few 18. more. There was 18, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah, a bit yeah. few more, I'm mixing up the years. Yeah. Um, 
and so and they're all alumni so you roughly have an idea on whether they are sub 60 material or survival material and so on and so you can sort of pre-plan some of it you don't know what the weather will be like you don't know what other externalities may be like and you just have to no matter how much you prepare it's 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 like running an ultra scott no matter how much you prepare you have to course correct yeah and i've seen robin and ben do that before the event and also during the event right and they had crews and so on and then saying okay this person is running slower and then we need to redirect it and this person is faster and now someone is overtaking did anyone get it someone drops and then oh, what, what will it do to the story yeah. and the story really evolves all the time and it continues to evolve after the event yeah. right and and that level of um, flexibility and dynamic in the event itself and then how it makes itself into a film uh, I, I'm just fascinated by it and, I, and again I, I'm really looking forward so much to see it they capture it very well and I think that for any for any story it's about the characters and it's about believing in the characters it's about it's about having like invest investing in those people and I think for those that have followed the event for many years they already it, it was it was like bringing out all of the old guard back in and all of the sort of the the people that had um that had done the event before obviously that was a prerequisite for doing it but were just really fundamental people for the hong kong trail running community so they'd already built like for many of the people that that uh in the region would already know a lot of the runners <clears throat> but for those that are watching it for the first time don't know about hong kong i think they do a really good job around delving into the backstory of the people and getting getting to know them and and it's just like you get the the heroes pop up. You don't know who's going to be the hero in the end, and it just uh, uh, and there's like surprises in in that way. And obviously, we know how the event ended up. But I think that um, yeah, that's got to have been very very challenging because you especially investing a lot of the time in like following people out beforehand. But you don't really know um, if they're going to be the ones that are going to be uh, going to be at the green post box at the end. Uh, um, but yeah, it was a absolutely amazing amazing watch and i'm excited for you to see it next week and for the uh for the the big premiere in hong kong and uh we're going to be hopefully launching one in uh, in in singapore well we are planning to launch one in singapore very soon as well jerry at red dot is um is organizing that and it's got a venue so we'll uh, hopefully be announcing that very shortly um and you're actually working towards the 2023 edition of the Hong Kong Four Trails as well. So um, obviously you had another domestic year in 2022. And how's planning going for the, you've got three weeks to go. It's coming, well, less than, it's, uh, it's happening very soon. Yeah, three weeks from now as we speak, we will uh, probably be in Lantau and have the, uh, uh, the participants come over and, uh, and, and finish and survive. Um, yes, so it will be... The um, first year now, after two years, domestic participants where the, the borders are open. We have about half a dozen of internationals uh, coming in. Some are uh, returnees, some are newbies. And I think it's a good, it's a good diverse field. Uh, it's a fairly sizable field, so we're looking at uh, about uh, two dozen or a few more people. Um, so it's quite, quite good, I think. And um, we've also very recently seen a lot of the pandemic restrictions relax with regards to uh, 
and distancing and group size and vaccination and so on. So hopefully we can move on and uh, that's certainly my intention and we will be compliant with anything that the government requires, of course, but uh, I'm, I'm really uh, looking forward to thin out my extensive pandemic extra rule booklets that I've uh, had to put up over the last two years. Surely and, that would have and, and skimmed down now, though. You yes, can cut a load yes, of it out now. Yes, but how many yes. how many participants will there be? We're looking at uh, 25 to 26. So. Okay, okay, excellent. Uh, are we able to talk about some of the participants? I know a few of them. Uh, but, yeah, you uh, are we okay to share? Well, we, we generally, we generally uh, keep it quiet until the event. I mean, we don't uh, disallow individuals that are participating to talk about it. Yeah, and 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 some people have spoken about it, but uh, um, that's fine. But so we know that Tomo is coming back. Yeah, um, and uh, he obviously was someone who was really un, uh, disappointed that he couldn't join the anniversary, the tenth edition. Um, so all the internationals that I had invited for that, I I, I rolled over to from twenty one to twenty two, and then from twenty two to twenty three, and uh, and some of them are coming back and. Uh, uh, it's going to be quite a quite a good diverse field. So some people that retired and they return to survive and maybe finish. There's some that survived and they're looking at finishing, and there's some that finished. And this is maybe the most impressive category: people that have finished before and coming back for more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So which uh, obviously which Tomo's in there, and there's yes. a, there's a few others uh, from the international group that have finished before. And I think that was one of the big things in the documentary as well. That I think you mentioned there that w once you finish, there's there's no real reason to come back and do it. Uh, but the anniversary year was enough of a reason for people to come and do it, or for Solomon as an example to come back and tr set a new goal for it. Um, and there was uh, there was one of the, well I mean so out of those that that finished the people that like then finished again at just like kind of a similar time or the, but the biggest one that stood out for me was was Pong who was quite a surprised finisher the first time that he finished in twenty was it twenty twenty the, the first time he did it and um, and then. I mean, it's a great story in throughout the throughout the documentary, but I mean, it's no no spoiler. But obviously, he had a uh, a really terrible gash in his leg prior to the event. That was I remember you sending a photo of me beforehand, and I was like almost threw up on my phone when you sent it through. Like it was a probably like twelve centimeter open wound in his in his in and shin, it, yeah, and in his shin, and then he had to take antibiotics and. Uh, there's a like part in the movie which you'll just go, oh my god, how did this guy still go ahead and and, and why? Like he'd already finished it before. Why did he push on through? Um, and uh, for me, that encapsulates what this whole event is all about. Just the amount of pain that people will put themselves through, and it's not just about the like time or finding a new goal. It's just about the sense of like getting it done and the achievement and. Uh, uh, and then what it means to other people that are following, which was a big thing for Solomon as well. I, I think all of these things feature and matter, but it's it's more than that. And I think there's something about the event that just brings people back. It's the the sheer enormity of the challenge and the sleep deprivation, the exhaustion. Um, the 
the endless distance, the endless climbs and descents. And it just takes so much out of you. And it, it, it takes you into another level of, I guess, self-reflection and, 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 and experience. And, and I've run, not this format, I've, I've obviously done the early, the early multi-day editions, but I've done other 200 plus miler events as well. And, and I've experienced as well, it's, it's sometimes you reach this sort of out of body experience where you, where your sort of mind hovers over your running body and you, you, you observe it. And it's, it's very difficult to explain it. And, uh, but it, I think that is an area that an experience that brings people back as well. And especially for the anniversary edition, it was, yes, some people wanted to say, okay, let's break not 60 but let's break 50 we've broken 60 let's do let's be audacious and break 50 but it's not always about time and it shouldn't be about time and i don't want it to be an elite event in the sense that only the very best get to run it i want the diversity i want more women to join i want people that have amazing stories to participate i've rejected this year so many people that have a fantastic athletic CV and amazing achievements, but they've just written a shoddy, horrible essay and it just does not come across that they're passionate yeah. and why they want to do it. Yeah. They don't know their why and, yeah. and they don't get in. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of people that are very passionate and they uh midpackers and and so on but they're just so fired up they can emotionally relate to the event without having done it before and they have observed it for many years they have personal experiences and hardships gone through that they want to test themselves they've come out of drug addiction they've had accidents they they have other challenges they have children whom they want to set an example for. There are just so many stories, and and that diversity to me is very important. And it's not just about who is the fastest. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm into that, <coughs> and I think that's a that's a really good note for anyone that's thinking of doing it. Is that it's not just because uh, there's going to be a lot of interest uh, after people watching this and. I think you've just got to, yeah, seeing the video, but just go and experience these trails in Hong Kong and, and bring bring it bring that to life. And um, yeah, I, I can't wait to follow again this uh, <clears throat> in, a, in a week or so's time. In a, in, sorry, in three weeks' time. Uh, there's going to be a couple of other people challenging him for the like the 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 50 hours. I know that Tomo has aspirations to be able to to make that. I think he he's one person that. I mean, you've seen what he's done with the Barclay as well. And I, I think it, I, it, whenever I speak to him, he's like, Hong Kong Four Trials is just so hard. I just didn't think, I didn't realise how hard it would be. But last time he did it, he was straight off doing Hurt 100 and, uh, and finishing fourth in that. Literally a week later, he came and done Four Trials. So I think he's going to have had a good training block and he's taking it very, very seriously this, this time. So it'll be good to see him. But there's plenty of other people that are, um, that are returning and, and, as you say, new... Uh, new competitors so uh it's going to be uh, another fascinating uh, watch so 
Thank you, Andre. Thanks for like continuing to invest your time in this event. I think this is a this is a really like critical moment in the sort of the history of the event when when this movie comes out. I think it's gonna um, it's not gonna change the ethos of the event, but it's gonna change the exposure and it's it's gonna do wonders for the for Hong Kong. And it deserves uh, it. Yeah, we it's such a great city and it deserves to for people to see it for what it really is in such an amazing place with the, with incredible outdoors and 50% national parks and this movie just encapsulates that so great work thanks very much and uh, and yeah really good to see you in person again after a, after a long while it's likewise great seeing you Scott thank you cheers tell the truthful story if they ever ask stop the complaining cause things ain't that bad